A Train Sports Talk Podcast, number one podcast throughout all the state of Kansas, picking up passengers, taking them on the sports journey. All right here on the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Grab your tickets and get on board. It is the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your favorite conductor, Anthony Smith. Take you, the listener, on a sports journey. I am elated that I have reached out to two people. This weekend, I hope to have a couple of interviews on board. But what we're going to do today, we're going to start off with some college news. Or shall I just call it some... uh, Retirement news. Notre Dame coach Mike Bray to step down at the end of the season. Notre Dame head coach Mike Bray plans to step down at the end of the season, capping a 23 year run in South Bend, Indiana. 23 years at one place. That is a long time to be. You ever heard nothing like that since the days of like Dean Smith and here recently Mike Krzyzewski, Coach K. He says it's been a great run for me and our program over the past two decades, but it's, it's time for a new voice to lead this group into the future. Bray said in an announcement on Thursday. He said I want to thank our student athletes, assistant coaches, and support staff who have played such a key role in the culture we have created. Bray, one of the most popular members of the coaching fraternity, led Notre Dame to 13 NCAA tournaments, including back-to-back Elite Eight appearances in 2015 and 2016. The Fighting Irish won at least one NCAA tournament game in each of his first three seasons at the helm, including a Sweet 16 run in 2003. After a four-year hiatus, Bray, 63, guided Notre Dame back to the tournament last season, (coughs) beating Rutgers in the first four in Alabama in the first round before falling to Texas Tech. Irish finished 24-11 last season, 15-5 in the ACC, one game back Duke, for the ACC regular 
season title. Entering the season, Bray was 472 and 259 while at Notre Dame, earning three Big East Coach of the Year awards and leading the Fighting Irish to the 2015 ACC Tournament Championship. He led the program to 16 20 win seasons. Mike and I have talked often in recent years about a future transition in the program's leadership, and during our most recent conversations, we reached the mutual conclusion that the end of the season represented the right time, Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick said in a statement. That Mike is the winningest coach in the 119-year history of Notre Dame men's basketball speaks to his skill as a teacher of the game. His even greater legacy, however, lies in his achievements as an educator and mentor of the young men who played for him. In that sense, he represents this university as well as any coach I have worked with during my time in Notre Dame. And for that reason, I look forward to working with Mike to define his future role within Notre Dame athletics. And he said the Fighting Irish are in the midst of their worst season under Bray, starting one and seven in ACC play, nine and ten overall after third after Tuesday's home loss to Florida State. Following the Seminoles' defeat, Bray discussed the struggles of his of this year's team. I defer to our leadership and our captains, Bray told reporters. They do have ownership of themselves, but I certainly haven't been able to help them much. I just told them I've done a horrible job with you fellas. I thought we would be more ready to compete there. That's the boss's responsibility. Totally accountable. Before being hired by Notre Dame in 2000, Bray was the head coach at Delaware for five seasons, leading the Fighting Blue Hens to two NCAA tournament appearances and two America East regular season titles. The Maryland native started his college coaching career as an assistant under Mike Krzyzewski at Duke from 1987 to 1995. He also spent time as an assistant under legendary high school Morgan Wooten at DeMatha Catholic High School in Maryland where he played his high school ball. So there you have the news on Mike Bray getting ready to step down effectively immediately at the end of this season, whenever the season may end. Also in some college news, new California bill pushes for college sports revenue sharing. A California lawmaker introduced a bill Thursday that would reshape how college athletic departments in the state are required to share their earnings with athletes. The proposed legislation named the College Athletic Protection Act calls for major money-generating college sports teams to create a fund that would pay players a share of their team's annual revenue, a portion of which would be held in a trust for players until they come their degree. 
The bill also proposes creating a 21-member state-run panel that regulates the ways in which schools are pouring resources into protecting and educating their athletes. Chris Holden, a former San Diego State basketball player and the current chairman of the state legislators appropriations committee, announced the bill at a news conference in front of the Rose Bowl Stadium on Thursday afternoon. Through the years, college athletes' concerns have been overlooked because they are not in the professional leagues, Holden said in a statement provided to ESPN. If colleges are profiting on their players, then these students deserve equitable pathways for their careers, whether that is in the professional league or in California's workforce. The revenue sharing portion of the bill seeks to create fair market value compensation for athletes. To do so, Holden's bill includes a formula designed to ensure that half of the revenue generated by each college team is dedicated to its athletes either through grant in aid scholarship dollars or in revenue sharing payments. For example, if the San Diego State basketball team generates roughly $6 million in revenue and spends roughly $500,000 on scholarships for its players, the school would have to set aside $2.5 million at the end of the year, half of the total revenue minus the cost of scholarships for the players if the new bill becomes a law. Players would be eligible to receive up to $25,000 in annual payments at the end of their season, and any additional money would be held in a trust until they graduate. For the most profitable college teams in California, this formula could lead to hundreds of thousands of dollars paid to players who get their degrees. The bill allows schools to reallocate funds if necessary to make sure they are not violating Title IX rules that require schools to provide equal benefits to men's and women's teams. An attempt to pass similar language through the California Assembly last year failed but Holden's position on the Appropriations Committee, along with an increased pressure in several different states to push the NCAA to further change its rules, provide this bill with a better chance of coming to a vote, according to National College Players Association founder, Ramagi Huma. Huma, who worked with Holden and his staff to craft the bill as part of his work with the NCPA, an advocacy group that has been pushing to reform the NCAA for nearly two decades. The NCPA also helped push the 2019 California bill that served as a catalyst for the NCAA rules changes that now allow athletes to make money from their name, image, and likeness. The new bill also contains several provisions aimed at funding for the health and well being of athletes that the NCPA has tried to get passed by other legislators at the state and federal levels. Those proposed rules would be monitored and enforced by a 21-member College Athletic Protection Panel appointed by the state politician. Other items include requirements for schools to cover medical costs for sports-related injuries and insurance plans. The requirements vary based on how much 
annual revenue and athletic department generates. A subcommittee of the College Athlete Protection Panel that would establish regulations about when athletes can return to play after an injury along with other health and safety rules. A subcommittee to certify agents who work with college athletes on endorsement deals. Guaranteed scholarships for six years or until the athlete earns their degree for athletes to remain as full-time students in good academic standing. Requirements that schools publicly share information about their current compliance with the Title IX law and information about what benefits they provide to their athletes designed to increase transparency for prospects in the recruiting process. A prohibition that prevents any school from cutting one of its varsity sports if the athletic director at the school makes more than $500,000 per year. The NCAA's formal position is that it has no duty to protect or educate college athletes, Huma said in a statement before Thursday's press conference. This bill will protect athletes' physical well being and ensure they are treated equitably in the business and educational aspect of college sports. The bill specifically says that payments to athletes should not be used as evidence that the athletes are employees of the schools. In the most recent push to further change the business of college sports, the NCAA and its members have drawn a hard line at allowing athletes to be considered employees. There are several ongoing legal efforts to gain employee status for college athletes. But this bill is not intended to be part of that push. So what a way to start off the first segment of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. We understand now that Mike Gray will be stepping down as Notre Dame's coach, and California is looking to propose a bill to further help student-athletes. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do right here. I am going to take a break. And when I come back, I will have much more coming your way. So whatever you do, don't you dare dare go nowhere because train is just now building up ahead of steam and we got so much more to go so we want you to enjoy this journey so stay tuned to the a train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith be right back after a brief timeout
Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita, including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star as well as national brands such as Siegel, and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, canned goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. I'm Nick. And I'm Adam. And we're cheering from the cheap seats, and you're listening to the A-Train Sports Podcast. Whoop, whoop! Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Sorry about that little old glitch right there. Came back in, didn't have no music there. Normal. Anyway, as we're back in on this next segment, apparently, Deion Sanders is up to his old tricks again. Only this time, it appears that there's not much being made of it because only this time he's not at Jackson State. When he was at Jackson State, it was a big uproar. Now that he's at a Power Five conference and resurrecting a dead buffalo, I mean, hey, you got to call it like this resurrecting a dead buffalo. I mean, how, how can you call it other than that? Dead buffalo. Now he's resurrecting the dead buffalo at the University of Colorado. It's okay that he flips the top cornerback. And that is exactly what he has done. He has flipped Cormani McLean as top cornerback, flips to Colorado. Dion just has that effect wherever he goes, it seems like. It would appear. And also, while we're looking at this story, we're also trying to iron out some technical difficulties. And there we have it right there. We will have that ironed out next time. But anyway, let's get on with this story right here. Deion Sanders and Colorado flip five-star cornerback Cormani McLean from Miami. Ooh, from Miami of all places. On Thursday, giving Sanders his first five-star as the Buffalo's coach. 
McLean, ESPN's number four prospect overall, is the highest ranked recruit Colorado has brought in since ESPN began ranking players in 2006. He had been committed to the hurricane since October and was originally planning to sign with Miami in the early signing period in December but abruptly decided to wait once Sanders was hired at Colorado. McLean's mother tweeted on the first day of the early signing period that there would be a change of plans and McLean would wait to sign his national letter of intent. Sanders continued to pursue the number one corner in the class, even getting McLean to do snow angels on a visit to Colorado. Snow angels on a visit to Colorado. McLean made the flip official on Thursday when he announced he would play for Sanders. It's the second year in a row that Sanders has flipped a five-star cornerback with McLean joining Travis Hunter who switched from Florida State to Jackson State in the 2022 class. Hunter followed Sanders to Colorado, transferring during the offseason. Now Sanders will have another talented player in the secondary. Klain is a 6'2", 165-pound recruit from Lakeland, Florida, and is the number one prospect in the state. He's the third ESPN 300 prospect in the 2023 class for Sanders which is more than Colorado has had in the past two classes combined. At his introductory meeting with the team, Sanders promised he would bring in his own players and more talent to help improve the program. He has done that with McLean, as well as Hunter, and his son quarterback, Shadura Sanders, among others in the transfer portal. McLean has verbally committed to Colorado, but won't be able to sign a national letter of intent until February signing period. Now we have some Jim Harbaugh news. Sources say Jim Harbaugh's refusal delays NCAA case to Michigan. I believe the last time I brought up some Jim Harbaugh news, it has something to do with some hamburgers and what the NCAA would think about. They found out that that hamburger came with some fries and a Coke or a shake, whatever the case may be. Anyway, Michigan's NCAA infractions case projects a prolonged path to resolution after Coach Jim Harbaugh's refusal during multiple meetings with the NCAA this week to acknowledge that he had lied to NCAA investigators, a source confirmed to ESPN on Thursday. During an attempt to expedite the case and achieve a negotiated resolution, Harbaugh refused to acknowledge that he had lied to the NCAA investigators, a source confirmed. He has maintained that he doesn't remember the incident in question, which has led to a standstill in the case. Yahoo Sports first reported these details, which included two meetings with the NCAA this week. An admission that Harbaugh had lied likely would have led to him accepting a multiple-game suspension. 
as he faces a potential level one NCAA violation. The initial investigation into Michigan included four level two recruiting violations, which were less significant in scope and punishment. But the potential level one was added as ESPN previously reported as part of a more serious charge for not cooperating with the NCAA enforcement staff. The, this presents an interesting standoff between Harbaugh and the NCAA, one that could potentially drag out for nearly a year per typical NCAA enforcement and appeals timeline. For now, there appears to be little chance for a negotiated resolution, a source told ESPN. This means Michigan faces the belabored proceedings of an NCAA case with the specter of Harbaugh's expected multi-game suspension likely looming over the start of the 2024 season. There is little chance that the NCAA enforcement can execute the case before the start of the 2023 season. ESPN confirmed Yahoo's reporting that there is essentially an immense an impasse between Harbaugh and the NCAA, as Harbaugh says he doesn't recall the incident in question and the NCAA is insisting he lied. That leaves Michigan facing an infractions process counter to the program's preferred Michigan man image of integrity. Since an undefeated regular season in 2022, a thumping of Ohio State in Columbus, winning the Big Ten title, and losing in the college football playoff to TCU, Michigan has been mired in controversy. Harbaugh interviewed for the Denver Broncos job, but then communicated with university president Santa Ono not athletic director Ward Manuel, that he intends to stay. The announcement of Harbaugh staying came from Ono's Twitter feed, fueling the notion that there is a rift between Harbaugh and Manuel. Harbaugh doubled down on that by mentioning Ono by name in his statement and leaving out Manuel. Although Harbaugh's return has been celebrated Nothing new has emerged contractually to back up the words. Along with the NCAA drama and Harbaugh's annual dance with the NFL, Michigan put co-offensive coordinator Matt, Wick, Matt Wise on leave amid a police investigation into a report of computer access crime at the team's football facility. Wise's future with the program is uncertain. He told ESPN, He's cooperating fully with legal investigations. So, like I said, last time I was on here, I had some Harbaugh news, and I had some, had some more Jim Harbaugh news. So, we will still keep an eye on this. What a hefty price to pay for a hamburger fries, and a drink. And how about this? Ex-Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders transfers to Ole Miss. Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin scored big again in the transfer portal Thursday with, Oklahoma, with former Oklahoma State all-Big 12 quarterback Spencer Sanders telling ESPN that he played, that he'd play 
for the Rebels next season. I fit in very well there with what they do on offense. Their play-action game, the way they take deep shots down the field, Coach Kiffin's mindset, and their balance with a great running back like Sean Judkins, Sanders said. It's just a very well-rounded scheme. Sanders is the second heralded quarterback in a week to join Ole Miss. Walker Howard, a former five-star recruit, announced Wednesday that he was transferring from LSU to Ole Miss. Jackson Dart, who transferred last season to Ole Miss from USC, is the Rebels' returning starter at quarterback after throwing for 2,974 yards and 20 touchdowns and 11 interceptions in 2022. I guess it's safe to say quarterback room has just got a little bit crowded. There's always going to be somebody you're competing against, whether it's at this level or the next, said Sanders, a four-year starter who accounted for 85 career touchdowns at Oklahoma State. It just helps all of us, competition. And I'm going to be the oldest one and will do the best I can to help those guys even after I leave. Ole Miss lost backup quarterback Luke Altmeyer to Illinois. So adding to the quarterback room this offseason is a crucial need for Kiffin. Howard has four years of eligibility remaining, so he sets up the Rebels for the future along with Dart, who still has two years of eligibility. The staff did not add a high school quarterback in the 2022 and 2023 class. So Kiffin is relying on the transfers to mark, relying on the transfer market to help build his quarterback room and now has a few options. Sanders is one of the most coveted quarterbacks available in the portal. Other schools to show serious interest included Auburn, UCLA, Baylor, BYU, Kentucky, and Virginia Tech, he said. He also emphasized that there was no ill will toward Oklahoma State. I'm excited to take my shot in a league, SEC, that's in a different category, and I'm ready to see what that's all about, Sanders said. I've had three different offensive coordinators, so it's not like I'm opposed to playing under new people or new schemes. It's no disrespect to Oklahoma State either. They raised me to be the quarterback I am right now, and I'm thankful for that. It was just time to move on to try something new. In the new world of the transfer portal, being able to keep great players is just as important as getting them. Judkins, who led the SEC with 1,565 rushing yards last season as a freshman, could have easily tested the waters in the portal, but stayed put. You want to play with the great players, Sanders said. It's pretty obvious they've been able to build their roster and keep their most talented guys. Sanders, who was 31 and 12 as a starter at Oklahoma State, said he separated the AC joint in his throwing shoulder a month into the 2022 season and that he was never completely healthy after the injury. He said he re-injured his shoulder against Kansas State and missed three of Oklahoma State's final five games. The Cowboys went one and four during that stretch. It was definitely the most painful season I've gone through, Sanders said. There were times I thought it was healing and then I get hurt and it would be back to square one again. I did the best I could to play through the pain. Sanders' best season came in 2021, when he was named first team All-Big 12 and led the conference with 3,057 total yards 
2,839 passing and 668 rushing. His multi-purpose skills particularly appealed to Kiffin, who uses his quarterbacks frequently in the running game. Sanders has 18 career rushing touchdowns, but he has also thrown 40 career interceptions. Having seen other versatile quarterbacks move on to different places and have success, USC's Caleb Williams, Oregon's Bo Nix, and LSU's Jaden Daniels, to name a few, Sanders said he's excited about the possibilities in Kiffin's up-tempo, high-octane scheme. I've been looking at their playbook, and the more I look at it, the more I like the leeway they give their athletes to go make plays, Sanders said. This is the second straight year that Kiffin has dipped heavily into the transfer portal. This class, in addition to Sanders and Howard, also includes Washington offensive lineman Victor Kern, Memphis tight end, Caton Priestcorn, Texas A&M receiver Chris Marshall, Louisiana Tech receiver Trey Harris, and UAB offensive lineman Quincy McGee. As you can see, Lane Kiffin is really doing things at Ole Miss via the transfer portal. Well, it is time for me to take another break. When I come back, I will have more. So stay on board the A-Train Sports Talk podcast because there's so much more to come. Be right back after this break. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita, including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star as well as national brands such as Siegel and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, and goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Most likely my final segment. 
And what I've been trying to figure out, and they use the term in sports talk, they usually call it Black Monday. And I have yet to figure out why come they call it Black Monday when everybody's getting a pink slip. For those of you who are actually, as I'm doing this podcast, I'm also doing Facebook Live, so you get to catch my last segment here. Why do they call it Black Monday? Why don't they call it Pink Slip Monday? Because a lot of coaches get those slips. Well, now that the playoff season has started, and for some it has ended, this week has been Pink Week. And I'm not talking about the line of clothing either. Some coaches got their pink slips. As in, your services are no longer needed. So we start off first with the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, I know some Viking fans as well, too. And uh, Vikings fans, well, Let's just say your defense coordinator by the name of Ed Donatel gets fired. You're fired after early playoff exit. So the Minnesota Vikings fired defensive coordinator Ed Donatel on Thursday. An unsurprising decision even after winning 13 games under first-year coach Kevin O'Connell. The team did not immediately name a replacement. Statement O'Connell said in part, We will immediately begin our search to fill this critical role as we continue to build a championship standard for the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Although they won the second most regular season games in team history, the Vikings defense was one of the worst in franchise history. It finished the season ranked number 28 in points allowed, 25.1. Number 31 in yards allowed, 388.7. On Sunday, the New York Giants gashed the Vikings 31 points, 431 yards, including five scoring drives of at least 75 yards and a total of 18 plays that gained more than 10 yards. Donatello's future had been in question since week 14 when O'Connell said publicly that he was considering all options to improve the defense other than changing schemes entirely. When asked if he would make staff changes or tap a new defensive play caller, O'Connell said he wasn't considering that option as of right now. O'Connell hired Donatel in part for his connection to the 3-4 scheme popularized by longtime NFL defensive coach Vic Fangio most recently the Denver Broncos coach from 2019 to 2021. Donatello served as Fangio's defensive coordinator in Denver and also coached with him at previous stops with the Chicago Bears and San Francisco 49ers. O'Connell outlined his thought process shortly after hiring Donatello, saying, what do you not like to play against? What's the hardest defensive scheme to play against? What keeps you up at night as you game plan. But Donatello's version of this game quickly proved to be predictable and often ineffective. It drew national scrutiny 
as week two when ESPN analyst Troy Aikman called out the soft zone coverage the Vikings used as the Philadelphia Eagles moved the ball up and down the field in a 24-7 loss. Undertale made clear that his core philosophy was to rely on his front four, especially linebackers Zadarius Smith and Danielle Hunter, to apply enough pressure to allow the rest of the defense to sit back in zone coverage. But the Vikings' four-man rush managed a 23.9% pressure rate during the regular season, the ninth lowest in the league, and their shell zone left far too much room for easy yards. After the defense allowed more than 400 yards for the fifth consecutive game last month against the Detroit Lions, O'Connell directed Donatelle publicly and privately to make changes. Donatelle did make changes, tweaks to their pass rush, schemes, personnel usage, and coverage types, but it did not lead to significant improvement. Overall, the Vikings were in their nickel personnel on 80.4% of snaps, the third highest rate in the NFL, according to the NFL next-gen stats. They were in split safeties for 50.4% of their defensive snaps, the league's fifth highest rate. They used zone coverage at a rate of 79.4%, the fourth highest in the league, and they blitzed at the NFL's 12th lowest rate, 22.1%. Yep, I believe it's time for him to get to stepping, as Martin Lawrence would say. In some more NFL news, general manager believes Lamar Jackson wants to finish career with the Ravens. The Ravens pushed back on the narrative that Lamar Jackson's future in Baltimore is uncertain, insisting that they remain confident they can sign the star quarterback to a long-term deal. I truly believe Lamar wants to finish his career in Baltimore, Ravens general manager Eric DeCosta said Thursday in the team's 45-minute end-of-season news conference. DeCosta spoke with Jackson on Thursday and began the media session by saying he was excited to restart contract negotiations with the QB. The sides have yet to reach an agreement after two years of contract talks and negotiations were suspended at the start of the regular season four months ago. Jackson, 26, finished the fifth-year option off his rookie deal. If no new deal is completed by March, Baltimore will place the franchise tag on Jackson to keep him from becoming an unrestricted free agent. Ravens coach John Harbaugh also expressed optimism that Baltimore will get a deal completed with Jackson, saying he's keeping my fingers and toes crossed, and I'll be saying my prayers. I have every faith that it's going to get done. Eric wants him here. I want him here. Steve Bacotti, Ravens owner, wants him here. And Lamar wants to be here. So it's going to work out. Without a new deal, the Ravens can keep Jackson in Baltimore for only two more seasons with the franchise tag. The cost of decline to say where the Ravens would entertain trade offers for him. That's not something we're going to talk about at this point, DaCosta said. Asked if Jackson would be the Ravens' starting quarterback in week one of the 2023 season, DaCosta said, I don't see any reason why he won't be. 
Jackson was unable to finish his second straight season because of injuries. He missed the late six last six games of the season, including a 24-17 wild card loss at the Bengals with a sprained PCL in his left knee. Acosta said he doesn't believe Jackson's absence was related to him not having guaranteed money beyond this season. Lamar was hurt, Acosta said. His unique style as a mobile quarterback and a freaky type of athlete out there on the field and having a serious knee injury makes it difficult. I know he was trying to come back. Harbaugh indicated Jackson would have had a chance to return if the Ravens had advanced farther in the playoffs. Lamar planned on being back, Harbaugh said. He was close. The Ravens are proceeding as if Jackson is their quarterback. Jackson will have input on the team's next offense coordinator. Greg Roman stepped down from that post on Thursday after four seasons as play caller. Harbaugh also doesn't see a trend after Jackson has been unable to finish the past two seasons because of injuries. He said Jackson put injured on freaky. He said Jackson put injured, got injured on freaky plays. He's a very durable player. I know that people might take issue with that, Harbaugh said, but I don't believe there's going to be a problem going forward because I know how hard he works. In other news, Harbaugh spoke with running back J.K. Dobbins, who was upset about getting only 13 carries on Sunday's in Sunday's playoff loss at Cincinnati. Dobbins was frustrated that he didn't get any red zone touches in the second half, including a critical fourth quarter drive where Tyler Huntley fumbled on a quarterback sneak. He made it clear, made it very clear to me what he meant in terms of the way it came out and where he was coming from in the heat of battle, Harbaugh said. So I was real good with that conversation and what he told me. So there you have some more news on what's going on in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson and how everybody seems to be saying the right thing. Only thing that will make this deal right is can they get a contract done? That's the only thing that's going to make everything right is getting a contract done. Well, for those of you who are watching me on Facebook Live, I appreciate all the hearts, all the thumbs up. Uh, this podcast will be dropping at any moment. You can check it out on Spotify or a lot of other platforms where you may listen to your podcast at i will be posting the link so you can listen to the whole podcast in its entirety also want to thank a few local businesses uh, mr mc's market i will also put that link up on here so you can go check them out especially if you're here in the wichita area go check them out tell them that i sent you there also shout out yeah i'm giving some names out uh ranisha with all prep and no play, she got some meals that are worth dying for. Check her out as well, too. I'll put that name in my uh, description on my podcast so you can go check her out. I will also put it on Facebook. Check out these local businesses. Buy local. Check. There will be, they are considered small business. So I'm going to put it on my, in my description box as I, Describe what my podcast is about. I'm also going to put the links up on uh, Facebook as well because we need to support our own. So that way, you 
and tell them who sent you. All prep, no play, and Mr. MC's market, which will be opening up soon as they are now under construction to better serve you, the public. Well, that is going to do it for me. I am going to bring this train into the station. Hope you have enjoyed being a passenger on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. I will probably be doing another one on Saturday. So, I will be reaching out to a couple of guests. So, hopefully, I will have those new guests on here. Those guests on this coming up. Saturday, uh, I'm looking for, in particular, Karan Bradley and Terry Atwater. So my next podcast will probably be Saturday afternoon sometime as I try to secure these guests. And even if I don't secure them, I will definitely be doing another podcast as we get closer to another round of playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? I just want to win the game. Yeah, playoffs. So, check back in with me again on Saturday as I will be dropping another podcast. So, until next time, take care of yourself. Stay blessed. And always remember, to stay on train as this train is always building up ahead of steam and always picking up passengers. Until the next time, it is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast coming into the station. I'm out.